2: Interchangeable. White
0: ladies. Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Annie. Our essential question is how can we as white people be more supportive of and less basic about our friends in interracial relationships? Today we are super lucky to have two awesome women in the house
1: uh, Ann Jones. I saw you wanted to say white woman before you introduced me. <laughs> <laughs> and Jamaica Scott. Hello. So I think we're just going to jump in and start off first with uh, kind of the framing, who you are, where you come from, kind of some biases or some things that the audience should know.
0: Yeah. Who are you?
1: Mm-hmm. I
2: am figuring that out every day. <laughs> awesome.
0: <laughs>
1: Trans- almost almost 40
2: ongoing questions. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you
2: want me to go? Okay. So uh, Ann Jones grew up in this area. Um, met my husband when he was in the fourth grade and I was in the fifth grade. We know each other for a long time. That's oh, right. Really <laughs> we're not high school, we are not high school. we were not high Too school. How like a sound effect that's like that? That's actually a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, that would be good for a white ladies podcast, also, <laughs> I think. Doug, cue that yeah. up. Um, yeah, grew up together, but we grew up together in Gig Harbor, which is a very white, wealthy, um enclave across the bridge. Um, Both of us were not part of the wealthy equation there, but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, have known each other for a long, long time. We now have two sons who are 8 and 11, uh, who are growing like crazy. And so we're experiencing those years Mm -hmm. like in a different way as we're uh, raising them. And so I see Dave maybe revisiting some of the things from our youth. And I definitely see like those years when I first met him and knew Mm -hmm. him as a kid in a different light now that I'm raising our boys and going through the hell of middle school again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I taught middle school Twice. briefly and
2: mm. I understand. Thank you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I it was it's a really interesting experience. It's just hard. Everyone's having a hard time. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Kids are having a hard time, teachers are having a hard time. It's yeah. just oh, and and like the, yeah. the, the the issues around identity and yeah. those Absolutely. things are really And I feel like there've been a couple of stops along the way that were Mm -hmm. major, you know, in terms of like Mm -hmm. when we started our kids in school, and you you asked like, "All right, are they going to be, you know, the only brown kid in class?" Mm -hmm. And you know, Mm -hmm. what are we, what are we doing? Where are we sending them to school? And then middle school is another big milestone in that way. Yeah. So it's an interesting time as as a family.
0: Interesting.
1: Come ask you some of the more questions about those a
2: little (laughs) bit. Well, I'm Jamika. I grew up
3: right here in Tacoma and um i don't I, I yeah i don't know how to talk about myself i think <laughs> um i yeah i just grew up and i i grew up with um my family a pretty big family um two brothers and my mom mostly but we had tons of my mom had has <laughs> multiple siblings, and they all have kids, and now their kids all have kids. and uh, Except for me. I'm not there yet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I have, you know, I've gone through life, and my mom's been pretty good. She kind of taught me the... (laughs) I tell her that she taught me how to be a player in the sense that um, I'd be like, I want a boyfriend, I want a boyfriend. And she's like, you don't need a boyfriend. Just date people.
0: Just, oh. you know,
3: just date. Yeah, <laughs> That was really it. Just like
1: protecting um, you in a way.
3: Yeah. Um, and which was good because, you know, and I snuck around and I had boyfriends anyway that, um, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. And I was really I was really awkward. And especially in middle school, like you mentioned middle school. And I just remember. Yeah one guy actually it was probably the first interracial relationship i had where i was dating a white guy named mark and uh (laughs) i was playing cards with my brother and finishing up a conversation with him and he was like okay i'll talk to you later i love you and it was like the first time he said it, and i was like super embarrassed to say it in front of my brothers especially to like a white guy yeah Yeah. (laughs) and so i was like what i didn't hear you and i just hung up on him (laughs) yeah i felt bad poor mark I said it later though. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's really it. And I, uh, that's me, I guess. I hang up on guys who tell me they love me. And yeah, um, yeah just kind of grew up. Tacoma's always been a pretty diverse place, mm-hmm. uh, at least in the ways that I've known it. I've gone to some schools that were more predominantly white. Like in middle school, I went to Truman. And so that was a more, like,
2: mm-hmm. you
3: know, predominantly white setting. Um, high school is a little bit more diverse than that. But. Uh, yeah, so I've kind of gone through different phases where I've been around more people of color, less people of color. And I, my, as far as like who I date is just kind of like get in where you fit in. Like I mm-hmm. <laughs> find people I like mm-hmm. and um, just kind of go from there and see what happens. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. And mm-hmm. there's always interesting things along the way. Right now I'm dating a white man and uh, some things come up from time to time Mm -hmm. that we have to have that are kind of playful conversations. Sometimes they're a little bit more serious, but it's always interesting to see um, kind of where it goes. Mm -hmm. And I do sometimes think about if this is the relationship that is going to be long lasting, like what Mm -hmm. that would be like if we have children. And Mm -hmm. uh, we're getting to this point now where I'm very, like, I am very private with my family even. So like he hasn't officially met a lot of the members of my family and it's the holidays,
2: and we're talking about it, so mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes. Yeah.
3: Well, cool. those are, I
2: mean, those are big milestones, I remember. So both of my parents are from Montana, mm-hmm. and... uh Chuckle, chuckle. Um, <laughs> no, but, but uh, and and if you, like, step back from it, what my dad would always say is that, like, Montana's where, like, the weird people go, you know? So, like, they're more accepting of a lot of things. He's like, you know, Montana, you, you go my, and live and let yeah, live. Like, my dad
0: if, always really loved Montana because he was a libertarian, and mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, libertarian values, that's all Montana. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Totally, he loved Montana.
2: I like the speed limit in Montana. It's Isn't uh, like, 80 yep. miles yep. an hour? Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. <laughs> when I was growing up, there was no speed limit. And yeah. So oh, yeah. We went this, back and... There I feel like, just, I I feel the, like the,
0: the official slogan for Montana should be like "You do you." Yeah, <laughs> you know, you just, should probably
2: submit that. Yeah, uh, gonna... but it—you know—it so yeah, it made do. for an interesting. Like when we were first, when we were first dating. Well, my my grandfather didn't know that uh, I had married a black man for a long time, mm. and he didn't uh, know that you had married. Mm-hmm. Oh. And um, my mom didn't want to. She knew it would make my grandma's life difficult. Mm. She knew my grandma would be good mm. with it. But that it would just, you know, it was more, it was too tough. And um, But we went over before he died, and I got to introduce him and Dave. And, uh, and it was really great. Because, you know what, I realized that, like, they never left the state. You know, they never mm-hmm. hardly left their town. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those things that the only representation they ever saw of people of color was on TV. Yeah. So when people ask, like, why does it matter that we don't have... Uh, better sitcoms or better representation of Mm -hmm. black people and primetime television okay well that's that's why it matters Mm because for some people that might be the only contact Mm -hmm. that they have and if it's only on cops and you know some other like horrible stereotypical i don't know you know where there's there's awful roles for Mm -hmm. people of color often um but it was a it was a good meeting i mean my husband's a good guy it's hard Mm -hmm. not to like him Mm -hmm. and so i know that that was a changing experience, like a life-changing experience probably for my grandfather. And certainly it meant that my Mm -hmm. grandmother got to meet her grandson before she passed. Mm -hmm. And you know, those were important things. And Mm -hmm. I think you do chip away at some of those things a little bit at a time. And it, I mean, it does matter. It was just like Dave's grandma, who has uh, passed some time ago and who I adored, like made me broccoli instead of greens when I would Aww. come over. <laughs> and, That's and you know, but I mean the, the and, and I didn't ask her to, but like that was her stereotype. Yeah. She assumed that yeah. I would want broccoli instead of greens. <laughs> and uh and you know, she worked she made me feel so comfortable, mm-hmm. right? And uh those little experiences, those those ripples mm-hmm. kind of move out through your family members. Yeah. I mean, I saw that difference when we had when we had our sons because you can't like <laughs> grandchildren change people. Yeah. Not that my parents mm-hmm. needed to be changed, but like our extended family, mm-hmm. um just getting mm-hmm. to experience them, like that's that's your blood, that's part of your family and they just hadn't had contact before. So I know that one of the things that we combat is ignorance mm-hmm. and a lot of it is just lack of contact. And we do get a little um not spoiled necessarily, but here in Tacoma, mm-hmm. you know, inside of our space and even like in our mm-hmm. friend circle, mm-hmm. right? We we come in contact with a lot of different people and so you forget that many people just don't have that Mm -hmm. Mm
0: day-to-day. I think one of our follow-up questions was actually, what do you love about Tacoma? Would you consider that to be one of the things that you really enjoy about living here? Are there other things that you really enjoy about living here? Lots of things.
2: Uh, I'm a a realtor here, so I can give you a whole long (laughs) list of all the the things I like about Tacoma. But we deliberately chose to move to Tacoma when we came back to the area, and my husband had finished college. Uh, I went to UPS, He went to Central. And when we were moving back, um, we spent a little bit of time in Gig Harbor Mm -hmm. and then decided we would we would land over here. Um, It just felt better. It felt more Mm -hmm. comfortable. And we had a little bit of a confrontation, actually, at my husband's high school reunion this summer over the discussion around, like, why didn't we want to live in Gig Harbor? Mm -hmm. And did you already
1: have kids when you moved to Tacoma?
2: No, okay. no. So we that were, was part. Of, was that
1: part of the conversation about where do we want to raise our kids? And... Yeah, yeah. And just yeah. you know,
2: where and and we were buying a house, right? And yeah. so where do we yeah. want to where do we want to settle into, and where can we afford all those things? Mm-hmm. But it was also like we're Dave after having been raised in King Harbor mm-hmm. uh, felt like he, he didn't want to do that. Uh, were, with Were our people kids. pushy? Like you were seeing a high school reunion,
0: like about uh, so people
2: take, judgmental. I'm I'm surprised at like people take it as a personal affront, mm-hmm. and I think that's something. You know, we were talking before this about things that people can work on, that, yeah. uh, you know, if it offends you, like, if, if you feel defensive around yeah. the fact that Gig Harbor is not diverse enough for us to raise our children in comfortably, like, that's something that you can look at yourself yeah. and ask, like, why that <laughs> right. bothers right. you. Yeah. Because, I mean, certainly we're entitled to our opinion, Dave yeah. in particular, where he actually was brought up out there mm-hmm, and knows yeah. that experience. Um but it was, yeah, it was very interesting because people are like, why wouldn't you want to move back here? And it's, and it's a beautiful community. Mm-hmm. It was safe. You know, we, we had a good upbringing. Certainly we have lots of childhood friends that we're still in touch with. So it's mm-hmm. not like we feel badly about it or yeah. anything. It's just making that choice of what we felt like was best for our kids. Yeah. And I will say that at the time that Dave's mom moved them out there, that's what was best for her children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to, um, cause she really needed to do that for her kids. And that was a a choice that she made. So I mm-hmm. respect that too. Yeah. Jamika, what do you love about Tacoma? Um, I,
3: there's a lot I like about Tacoma. I love about Tacoma. I, I think it's just like, it's my home. And so that's <laughs> why I love it so much. Yeah. And all the people that I know and love, or I shouldn't say all the people that I know and love, cause I have made friends elsewhere, um, <laughs> but live here. And, um, I, especially in this last year, um, with the political climate, it's been kind of reaffirmed for me that Mm -hmm. there are a lot of good people here. (laughs) Um, I like, there's no shortage of times where I've walked down the street and somebody has been like, Hey, I need like 50 cents to get on the bus. And they're like, here's two bucks. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and just like the, the kindness and, um, and the willingness and it's taken a little while, like, and it's taken some, um, Kind of some tougher things to kind of push people to that point of like standing up for other people mm-hmm. in a way that we're really seeing now, but um, that people really rise to the occasion and really mm-hmm. rise to what it means to live in Tacoma mm-hmm. and um, to kind of combat that. Because we could have given in to this, like, oh, Tacoma's a bad place and Tacoma's dangerous and Tacoma's gangs and it's drugs and it's, mm-hmm. and you know, and I think people really embrace that like it has been those things and it's all of these other things yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, And so I just really enjoy, like, the resilience of the city and the people Mm -hmm. here. And, like, everybody just has such passion for, like, this place that we're in. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I really, really, I really enjoy that. And I do like that, you know, even with it being, like, Tacoma is a majority a white city. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't necessarily always feel like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, like, you have these places that are kind of carved out for... Um, For you to just find your community as well as like reach across those lines and make those connections Mm -hmm. and have this like really mixed and diverse, um, whether that's family, like my whole my family is very diverse and whether Mm -hmm. that's like your friendships, Mm -hmm. um, the place where you work and things like that. So I just yeah, I just love that um, that people love Tacoma mm-hmm. I love that people are like yeah this is my city and I want it to look good and I want it to feel good and I want to be able to live here and enjoy it here and um yeah so
2: and, and I think feel like people are honest about its imperfections mm-hmm. and it's almost endearing mm-hmm. in a way yeah you know? <laughs> like I know it's not yeah I know it's not one of these other major cities like I like that about mm-hmm. it yeah I was also gonna I think we sometimes take for granted not, um But the history, like Fort Lewis and Mm -hmm. the impact on our community and how it shapes, like, the way Mm -hmm. we interact with each other Mm -hmm. and sort of the experiences of our population. Mm -hmm. I mean, that just the history of many of our families um, and, like, their roots in the base and how they came from all over and chose to settle here, Mm
0: -hmm. that a lot of
2: people picked this community after they had um, been other places. They decided Mm -hmm. to retire here and and raise diverse Mm -hmm. families here. That that's um, certainly had an impact on, you know, mm-hmm. how we look and how we approach other people. I think it's part of that friendly vibe in some ways because yeah. you have these people who have come from all over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're and settled used here. to so much
1: mobility, right? You get used to having to adapt in that new place. I, remember, I used to work at Clover Park High School, and that was something that was really unique about the students at the school is they just were resilient in a different kind of way because they were used to moving, trying to get to know somebody different, learning, like, quote-unquote, different local languages, mm-hmm. you know, those ways to adapt. Um, I think it also like impacted food. Right. think about I think about all the restaurants that have come in in the last I've been in Tacoma for 13 years that have just an influx of of foods from all over the world. Mm -hmm. that's been kind of a a benefit.
3: Yeah. One of my favorite things to do is just to like um, whether somebody has been here like, you know, like I was born here, but like Mm -hmm. my mom, they moved here. Um, And so just like I always like to ask people whether they moved here recently or Mm -hmm. a long time ago, like how they ended up here. I just think it's really I mean, and a lot of it is like, oh, my family wasn't like somebody. My family was in the military Mm -hmm. and that's how we ended up here. Or, you know, a lot of people now are just like, oh, you know, I just heard of it. Like this one friend I had (laughs) lived here Mm -hmm. or moved here after college or went to school here or something like that. And one of my favorite things about Tacoma, actually, um, I'll tell people sometimes is one of my favorite things is being gone from Tacoma and then coming back to Tacoma, I love mm-hmm. to come back yeah. to Tacoma. It always feels welcoming and like home and... Um like you can get when you're here, you can kind of forget a little bit. You're like, oh, this place sometimes, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing to do. Yeah. Everything closes. The streets are always there. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, but then you go somewhere and, and, you know, whether that's Seattle or L.A. or Chicago or one of these cities where there's people all the time mm. everywhere and there's always something happening. And there's just something so sweet about the simplicity of
0: Tacoma. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. really like that. Mm-hmm. Good way to put it. Absolutely. Um, what, this is kind of switching gears, but what do you, talking about, um, interracial relationships, what do you think, <laughs> I just love Tacoma also, I like to hear other people talk about how much they love Tacoma, um, so I had to put that one in there. Um, so, w- in terms of, um, being in a relationship with someone of another race, like, what do you think, when you think about your, your romantic relationships, um. What do you think is, for you, the best thing about being in an interracial relationship? Like, what do you think is the most rewarding or happy-making thing? Like, yes, this is – that is something that brings me a lot of joy. Mm. That's an
2: interesting question. Yeah.
3: I guess in some ways it's, like, this weird challenge. Mm. And um, I'm never one for making things easy on myself, I guess. Because it would would be, like – in some ways it would be really easy to just, like – find a black guy and, and, like, it'd be easier to bring him to family functions. I yeah. wouldn't have to worry about explaining any cultural mm-hmm. differences. Like, I could just, even though, like, black people have, you know, like, right. we don't all exist in a monolith and we have different experiences, but, like, it would, there would just be something more simplistic knowing that there's probably more similarities in our upbringing and our family lives than, the, mm-hmm. than I would have with, like, you know, this white guy who moved up to Washington and lives in Bonnie Lake, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> there's <laughs> yeah. there's obviously, like, some things where, you know, like, I, I didn't... Do my hair in front of him for a long time and like just different things like that so you know that I wouldn't necessarily have to explain to a black Mm -hmm. man just because like yeah he probably has a black mom or a black sister who you know he's seen do hair and like knows what a hot comb is and that it can be plugged into a wall or put onto a stove or Mm -hmm. like you know and what a relaxer is and just different things like that instead of um or just even sometimes like with like spicing food and you're just like (laughs) you know like and he I'll give him some credits he does some pretty good spicing of foods but like every so often I'm just like "Mm, add add a little more to that a little bland bland." Um, but yeah there are just some so I think it's like I like talking to people who are different Mm. than me or Mm -hmm. come from like and finding those similarities and being curious and that's not to say that I wouldn't learn new things about somebody who Mm -hmm. was also black but I I just think it's like this kind of like I learn things where I'm like oh I just never would have seen things from that perspective if I hadn't been in this intimate relationship with you and like that's true to my current relationship as well as like any other past Mm -hmm. and not even just dating a white person like just dating somebody who's not black in general like Mm -hmm. whichever race that may be um and so i think that there's just this um
0: it's almost like the challenge is rewarding like of um helping yourself grow and growing together with someone Mm -hmm. um who's yeah has a different background than you do like oh it's like it feels really rewarding yeah yeah so I, awesome. I was,
1: and, I, and I think that kind of translates beyond just, like, romantic relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Just yeah. being in cross-cultural relationships, mm-hmm. interracial friendships, right? Whatever yeah. um, the inter-blank, right? Uh, it gives us a new point of view, a new perspective. And so as you were talking, I was thinking a lot about that. As a kid, I grew up mostly in Asia, right? So mm-hmm. I traveled a bunch of different places there. And th- that was, like, I just had friends with whoever was around me. And I was thinking back to um i went to this youth group in hong kong that was very international so i had people from all over the world mm. that were all blank plus white usually <laughs> combined <laughs> you know chinese british whatever australian um and that was that was a big thing is like i learned to see something from a different point of view uh, see a little bit of a different perspective get out of myself a little bit and then that shaped that shaped my own points of view right and just kind of helped me figure out
2: what i think about the world yeah. um, and it's constantly changing well and that that i mean to kind of tie this together to the discussion about what we like about Tacoma ah, and sort of like for, Thanks Anne. Well, I mean just for like <laughs> for us, I mean one of those we were talking about like, oh, what was the driving factor on getting out of the community that you grew up in mm-hmm. was that it was too similar, right? Mm-hmm. Like you missed that mm-hmm. chance for um, personal growth yeah. and to make new connections. I mean, I think most people discover, even if it's a little bit painful, that it feels good to stretch and grow. Yeah. It's just um, in your day to day, like momentum is against you mm-hmm. if you if you don't have a job or you don't have a hobby or you don't play a sport that yeah. brings you in contact with other people. That it's very very easy to stay inside that bubble. And of course, like you were saying, with the political climate, we saw that this last year where it's just like people got almost even more entrenched in yeah. their own bubbles. And so it does take some, it takes some effort, and I think that's the part I know we're going to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about, like mm-hmm. raising kids. And um, mm-hmm. you know, the, one of the things that I've read and looked at in raising you know, biracial children is wanting them to be around other kids of color, mm-hmm. right? And that's mm-hmm. a, a very specific choice you have to make. Um, you might have to choose between the quote-unquote top-rated school, right, and a, and a place where your kids mm-hmm. feel like they're more in the mix of things. Mm-hmm. And get to develop with uh, other kids. And that's a conversation sometimes that's hard to have with other people who don't see the benefit yep. of that. That's mm-hmm. where that defensiveness comes in sometimes because it's just like, well, why aren't you curious about other, other people? You know, why don't you want to learn about mm-hmm. other cultures? Have you asked yourself if anything exists outside <laughs> of uh, <laughs> this, this particular <laughs> yeah. circle? Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, again, you can't stereotype Everybody who chooses to live in Hmm. one pocket, either Uh, I know lots and lots of good people who live in Gig Harbor, for example. So, Um, but 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 it requires (laughs) if if it's not in your day to day, you really you do have to make a concerted effort Mm -hmm. to come in contact. Um, And I think that's that's one of the things that people can really do. You know, I have white friends who are raising. Beautiful little white children, and ask those questions yeah. around, like you know, what can I do to mm-hmm. raise more yep. tolerant? Yeah. I know sometimes we're like the representative uh, play date, right? Like my kids are the brown kids <laughs> like, that come to the we, circle. Can we? Yeah. Uh, and playdate. and so finding other. You know, finding more expanded and more diverse groups for mm-hmm. the, your children to spend time with is a really good start. So thinking about your
1: own childhoods, like what was that like in terms of what your parents with with you? I mean, was that something that happened? Did you did your parents take you in into spaces where people were different than you were?
3: Um, Well, I went to elementary school at Bryant, which is now Bryant Montessori. But um, and just I mean, it was a school right there in the middle of the hilltop, just kind of like, Mm -hmm. you know, Stanley and McCarver. And like those schools are very, especially in the 90s when I was going to school, were very much they were just very mixed Mm -hmm. as far as like who was there. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, Bryant to this day is still one of the only places I had teachers that were black, white, Asian, Latino, yeah. like I had a mix mm. of different teachers and like that got less and less. Yeah. The higher in grade that I got. Um and my mom, I remember like when we would move and like we most of the houses I lived in as a kid I can walk to, like are all within walking distance. <laughs> mm. Cause my mom made a point of like, I want to stay in the hilltop. This yeah. is and to this day my mom still lives in the hilltop. Um it's just getting a little harder because of like just housing costs and things like that are raising. But um, but yeah, like there was just this, that was her effort to keep us in a place that she knew had a, a good mix of good people that were coming from all different backgrounds, mm-hmm. all different cultures. Um, you know, I like, I, my, my principal in middle school is like Indian. So, mm-hmm. you know, like there was just, or in not middle school, sorry, elementary school. And so it's like, it just, she did a really good job of keeping us in this place that really was entrenched in diversity. Yeah. Like that's what the area was really known for. And that's what the people of Hilltop were very proud of too, is that they were, you know, it was very much just a melting pot. Mm-hmm. And so, um and then with that, you know, my mom made sure that if we were interested in something that we got to do it. So like, you know, I was on choirs and jump roping teams and played sports (laughs) and gymnastics and Mm -hmm. and things like that. So it was really, you know, in like summer programs and volunteer programs. And my mom just made sure that we were really, really involved in our community. And she did that by um, doing that herself. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like she was like, oh, go do this program. It was like, we as a family are going to go do this thing together. Um, And so that really made it It kind of made it hard, when, especially when I got to, like, college and I'm going to this tiny, like, school out in, like, McMinnville, Oregon. It was, like, it was a culture shock to go there and just see so many white people who had never, literally, and felt no qualms about telling me, like, oh, I've never gone to school with a black person before. Mm -hmm. I've never, like, I don't know. I have no frame of
1: reference for that.
2: I couldn't do it. I visited Linfield, and I was like, (laughs) this is out there. Campus
1: is beautiful. I feel like a hot tip for listeners is, like, don't say that stuff out loud. Don't do that. I think we can't control what we think quote unquote think but like don't say that out loud why does the other person need to know that you feel that way yeah I remember like changing
3: and like I was in theater and I was like we were all in this big dressing room and changing and like some guy made a point to be like oh I've just never like Seen a black girl change her clothes, and I'm like,
1: now I just want to leave one leg at
3: a time, bro. Just like everybody yeah. else, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> Put my shirt over my head, right. and also, right. like, I'm sorry you're uncomfortable, <laughs> yeah. but like, I don't need to be three I times as uncomfortable. Also, right. not my
0: responsibility to make you less comfortable right. or more less yeah. uncomfortable, yeah. yeah, right? Yeah,
2: more like comfortable. Just, Words yeah. are hard, so it's
3: interesting. I just there was a lot of like and it was it wasn't just the kids i was going to school with either like i worked at like a, um mm-hmm. i was initially i went for elementary education and so one mm-hmm. part of the major is we had to work in our pre-k that we had on campus and like i remember this one kid was just like, like <laughs> <laughs> He looked at me while I was giving him a snack and he was like, Why are you so sunburned? And I was like, What? And he was just like, Well, my mom told me if I stayed out in the sun too long, I would get burned. Is that what happened to you? And I was like, No, sweetheart. So and like the teacher in the classroom did not, she was like looking at me like, Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Aww. Like, didn't know what to do. And I was just like, Well, you know, like your mom and dad, like their skin looks like yours. And he's like, Yeah. And I was like, Well, my mom and dad, like their skin looks like mine. Like, we just people have different color skins. And he was just like, Oh, okay. And then went back to eating yeah. his goldfish. But it was just like, you know, like, Mm. Even not on, like, television, and I remember, like, going and kind of looking at the shows that were on TV at the time for kids in, like, the pre-K age, and, like, yeah. there weren't a lot of TV yeah. shows that had kids of color on it that right. weren't, that were, like, very much, you know, like, they there weren't kids with accents, there weren't kids who yeah. were dark-skinned, it was, like, everybody was very racially ambiguous and could just be a really tan, white person. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Which is what
1: people were more comfortable with, right? right. So, so
3: like, it was, yeah, it's, like, it's very... That going from, like, being in the hilltop where things were very, mm-hmm. very, like, mixed race to going to, like, Linfield College where everything is very much white mm-hmm. um, was a
2: bit of a culture shock.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's
2: what, I mean, that point that we're driving home is, like, making the effort to be around mm-hmm. diverse populations, mm-hmm. to expose mm-hmm. your children to diverse mm-hmm. pop. Even, so, like, for us raising our boys, you don't realize how hard it is to find, like, our kids are... Voracious readers, mm-hmm. right? Like finding books mm-hmm. yeah. with diverse characters in them, and um, finding age-appropriate like movies or shows to watch, or mm-hmm. because that's that's why it's important. Because it becomes a norm, and it's not really my kids that need to be exposed yeah. to diverse characters. Although I like them to be able to yeah. identify and feel comfortable but like Mm -hmm. other people's kids maybe need to watch some shows so that they have those conversations with their parents before Mm -hmm. it's in the classroom around a sunburn in college or in college yeah or in college awkwardly
1: (laughs) what about for you and like were your parents um did they do any kind of like what was the awareness of any of that
2: so our our, i mean our neighborhood was really white and uh my the first person of color honestly that i remember close contact with was a neighborhood babysitter. And I imagine that it was probably a deliberate choice on my on my mom's part. Um, we, we didn't have a lot of, like, direct conversations about things, I think, because my parents approached the world with a very accepting uh, way. You know, my dad dropped out of high school and went into uh, the marines and served in vietnam and i think that experience anybody who's had the military experience right like it's a it broadens your perspective he was overseas um you serve alongside a lot of different people and so um it's just a much more comfortable state Mm -hmm. for my dad um they've always run their own company construction company and so it's just like you come in contact with a lot of different people different backgrounds and for him it was like if you show up and you work hard and you're in you know reasonably good person you have a job and you don't ask a ton of questions it's just it's a different i mean it's a different approach than sort of this like very kind of academic way that we look at things sometimes it's just a reality montana what was it montana uh you do do you you. You do you yeah (laughs) you know it's a it's a lot of that so um that'd be a great Mm t-shirt i didn't have a lot of deliberate conversations around Mm -hmm. diversity until i got older honestly Within our family and, like, within my husband's family, we're incredibly diverse, and so we talk more about it. Mm-hmm. Like, my husband's mother, her mother was Japanese. Um, my family is interested and has a lot of extended uh, sort of Asian family members, mm-hmm. and so we explore those cultures. But we didn't talk about it, I don't remember, when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that you're really in danger of mm-hmm. missing unless it's a, a very deliberate experience. And the way our schools were set up, yeah. so I was really into sports in high school, we played all the other like rural white schools. Mm. We hugely missed opportunity, Mm. but intentional or unintentional, it was the way that the Mm. districts were aligned. Mm. And so growing up in Gig Harbor, we played Eatonville and Yelm. So instead of like having the opportunity to play sports with kids uh, from the city, like coming into Tacoma and playing sports, you only live 20 minutes away from each other, but you Mm. didn't interact in those spaces where we could have. Now the leagues are aligned a little bit differently, so it happens more regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played basketball in high school, and I think we only ever played, like, any
3: Gig Harbor High School, like, just in a preseason. It was, like, every so often. Mm-hmm. So yep. it wasn't
2: ever any, like... Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was, I didn't realize it until I grew up, because it was such a shame in terms of, like, sports are such a shared experience, mm-hmm. a yeah. great opportunity yeah. to get to know people who are, you know, not from your hometown or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, yeah, so there there wasn't a ton. And then I am grateful because I went to community college for two years before I went to UPS. And that experience was really, really important for me mm-hmm. because even though we didn't grow up with a lot of money in Gig Harbor, um, we, you know, we grew up in Gig Harbor. Yeah. It was uh, kind of isolated that way. And going to community college where people cannot afford from quarter to quarter to stay in school and like really understanding that Mm. you know where you're like man I take for granted this five hundred dollars of tuition I'm older than you so my (laughs) tuition was really cheap at that point but (laughs) but it was that was a that was a critical time frame for me so to spend those couple years in community college because if I'd gone Mm. straight to UPS which is making efforts but is nowhere near Mm -hmm. as diverse as it should be um, it would have That would have been unfortunate for me.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about um, the role of parents, right, to kind of shape these identities or these experiences. And, I mean, as a pastor's kid (laughs) uh, growing up in a foreign country, uh, quote, unquote, foreign, uh, I was thinking a lot. My parents were very much – we we didn't really necessarily talk about, like, the racial dynamics of things, but we knew, like, we're the Mm -hmm. white family in the neighborhood. Um, And then they also – it was, like, very much with, like, Christianese, right? So it's like Jesus loves everybody. Everybody's accepted. You can't treat somebody different, right? And so – Although, like now, my thinking about that's a little bit different. I do really appreciate that kind of framing because I did have other friends that that was not the case. Especially like going into high school, where you're starting to like be more interested in dating, and my parents mm-hmm. were very much like, "It's not about who you're dating. You can't date till you're 40." So <laughs> it doesn't really matter like <laughs> what we're talking about here. And uh, and I had, but I had other friends who whose parents like I can think of some friends from Canada um, who are white, and their their fam- parents were very much like, "You can only date like people that look like you." And I was like, but we're living in Asia. Like, everyone is Yeah. like, mm-hmm. what? That doesn't make any sense. Like, you're going to interact with other people. Like, what do you expect mm-hmm. them to do? And it wasn't like we had the age of the Internet there either, right? You can just hop online or something. And I, th- I found that really surprising. I don't, I don't know why I felt like surprised about it. I think because my parents, you know, like – didn't raise me in that same way, mm-hmm. um, so kind of thinking about how parents have such an influence. Like you said, if you put our kids in these encounters or the way we talk mm-hmm. about it at home, it can really shape.
2: But, but there's a there's a huge line between like what people sort of say yeah. in terms of like love everyone, accept yeah. everyone, mm-hmm. and then when you bring it to your dinner table. It's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I think yeah. the willingness to. Be accepting for a lot of people stops at a certain point, yeah. mm-hmm. and it is more tolerance than acceptance. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely one of the things mm-hmm. I feel like I've I've found. So we've been married for 16 years, mm-hmm. and uh, moved together for a few years before that. Is that you know a lot of people are cool with it as long as it's elsewhere. over here, mm-hmm. elsewhere, yeah. And uh, and when you're when you're part of the majority culture, right? Like yeah. as a white woman, and I move through spaces, people will make certain assumptions yep. about. So the things that I hear and witness, right, are, are different, just like I have had to learn that the things my husband experiences, experience mm-hmm. change when I'm not there, yeah. right? Like for a long time, I had to look at it as, well, I mean, I don't see that, right? Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't happen or, well, mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't happen when we're together. Right. Because that's, mm-hmm. that changes the dynamic. But when he's alone um, or when mm-hmm. our sons are alone, which yeah. is what starts to, it starts to really hit you as your, as your kids are growing up, yeah. um, That's a that's a different experience. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things that we can do is really step back. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we talked earlier about like ways that people can be um, supportive of friends who are in interracial relationships. I'm not sure the exact answer on that piece, but I think one of the things we can do in general is just look around for opportunities. You know, if you see my husband walking down the street by Mm -hmm. himself and you see somebody getting sideways with him, like that's a that's taking your white privilege and or my children. Really, my husband's Mm -hmm. fine. He can take care of himself. (laughs) But, you know, you see somebody's kids. I mean, I always make sure that I talk to kids that I bump into. Like teenage boys, the kind of kids that you guys teach, right? They're walking down the street and they have their head down or they will avert their eyes. And, I mean, saying hello and, like, seeing them as people and interacting Mm -hmm. with them because generally they will look up and smile. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but they're too often pegged as being angry young men and it's like Mm -hmm. my god just engage a little bit so I think that's that's the biggest piece that I would ask because I'm raising Mm -hmm. a sort of awkward middle schooler right now (laughs) and he's almost as tall as I am and it's not he's not angry he's not upset like he's just shy and I think there's so much just that is misinterpreted Mm -hmm. because of lack of experience and contact Mm -hmm.
1: lack of education around it just not
0: being yeah. around each other, yeah. yeah. Exposure. Like I know that I've had hope and I've talked about how I've had people ask me, like, what's that like to teach at Lincoln? Right? Like and the kind of the the, the um assumption behind that question is what's it like to teach with a lot of black to teach a lot of black boys? Mm-hmm. Um and that comes up often and I'm like, I don't think you understand, like you have stereotypes about black boys, but like my my students are kind and amazing and like they're not angry. Like I have some students who are angry, but they're angry because of their circumstances, not because of it, things with family are more likely to make them angry than, or systemic racism in- is in- more, more likely to make them angry. Yeah. Like they might be angry because their their assumptions about who they are, are based on what they look like, and that's a baloney sandwich because they're amazing and kind and helpful and. Not who you think they are. So did you
1: just say it's a bologna sandwich? Yeah, it's I another just way to it's another way to say that... BS.
0: Um, <laughs> my students appreciate it because I don't like to swear in the classroom. You won't in hear the that classroom. on any other
2: podcast.
0: <laughs> I don't swear in the classroom. I say bologna sandwich, and they know what that means. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's funny. Yeah, um, I'm wondering about just hearing you talk about your kids. They sound wonderful. Um, I'm wondering for for you, Anne, like what. What are some unique challenges about raising your boys? And then, Jamika, do you think that thinking about yourself, uh, you know, not making assumptions about the current relationship you're in, where it's going.
2: Um, when you're getting married, when w- you have when babies. You, <laughs> when you're having
0: babies. Um, we all need to know. Uh, but what does that influence your decision about having children? And I hope I'm interested in, like, has that has being in an in interracial marriage, like, has that affected your conversations about having children or is that
2: unrelated or like, I want to know. I want to know. Will you tell me? Anyone can start. Doesn't. I was just thinking about uh, having having kids was not something, you know, when you're young and you get married and we got married young, um, I wasn't really thinking specifically about having kids. Mm-hmm. Although, I I mean, I've always figured that we would. We both are have come from great families, and mm-hmm. that was something I always wanted to experience. But, you know, like most things, kids in particular, you don't know what the hell you're doing until it happens to you. <laughs> and, you know, you don't know how hard it's going to be or how amazing it's going to be. That's true. And... Um, and you don't necessarily know the challenges specifically. Like our boys, I envy. I, I was actually talking to Wilson, our oldest son, this morning over breakfast, and mentioned that I was coming here. And I'm like, how you know, how do you describe yourself? And he's like, I'm a mixed kid. You know, he's mm-hmm. like his generation. Yeah. I think it's different yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. And we've certainly had the conversations. You know, you you have the one drop dialogue with your kids. You have, mm-hmm. you know, he's getting old enough now that we're having conversations around encounters with uh, police and just mm-hmm. how the world sees him. He rocks a giant Afro, which yeah, is I was going to ask you to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, so his friends and their generation, I just think they see the like multicultural sort of it's it's normal to them. And so mm-hmm. it's really cool. But they have parents. Yeah. Their parents tell them things and teach mm-hmm. them things. Society teaches them things, interacts with them. So um, we have more conversations with our kids than I think most of my friends do, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we have more conversations about serious things. When the um, flip book, since you guys don't have kids, but elementary background. I do
0: know what flip book is. So, let, yeah. well, not that that one, but oh,
2: when my... There's an
0: internet thing that's also called flip book, an actual flip book. Yes, yeah. yeah oh, no, I know okay. that one. This is Old like...
2: <laughs> in elementary school, they <laughs> yeah. color and cut out little books, and one came home with my son about slavery when oh, he was yeah. in the, yeah, in kindergarten, and it was like... 10 pages beginning to end, like, starting with the ships and ending with, like, I have a dream. And you well, realize... a lot of history
0: to put in a flip the, book. Hold on. shame <laughs> oh.
2: Yeah. bell. <Shame laughs> oh. Yeah. And, you know, you, you realize, like, the person who sent that home, first yeah. of all, doesn't know, like, have we had an in-depth conversation about, yeah. like, what being black means to, you know, the right. fact that society sees our children yeah. as, as black, how that impacts them, but also that, like... There's a lot of sort of scary and hurtful things packed into this tiny little yeah. flip book and uh, that has to be unpacked and discussed. And that's our job as parents, clearly, yeah. to do that. We don't expect yeah. school to do that. But um, that's why when you're looking at schools and you're saying, like, we went around um, and interviewed Montessori schools, you know, mm-hmm. we had a really amazing in-home child care situation for a while and and our we thought we should get our kids ready for school. Mm-hmm. And I walked into a Montessori school and it's Really white, right? And uh, I'm like, so how do you handle like questions around diversity? You know, are you? This will be our kid's first experience outside of a in-home setting, and uh, this woman was like, "Well, we have a, a East Indian, you know, teacher." <laughs> And I was like, and that's that's it? That's your? And so we didn't take our older son, who was really, like, tender and sort of quiet and uh, impressionable. And I worried about how his sense of self would develop Mm -hmm, in a place mm -hmm. where people weren't prepared to talk about it. And we went back a few years later, and um, the administration had changed at this particular place. And when I asked the question again, she said, we teach all of our children that they are you know worthy of love, and that they're important, and we invite all of the families mm-hmm. we you know our language around family activities is not um, mother and father, and you mm-hmm. know it's parents and it just it was amazing how like the framework had changed mm-hmm. and and just that understanding in that moment and I didn't hesitate then to send our mm-hmm. younger kid there because I knew when he had questions somebody would have at least yeah. thought about that ahead yeah. of time yeah. that like this is going to impact my child in a different way. Yeah. Why do I look different than and and the population had gotten a little more diverse in the meantime, but yeah. hmm. it's uh, it's something you think about that my friends, a lot of my friends don't think about I or think don't have to. think about. In elementary school, if they send flipbooks home like that,
0: they should maybe they should send a like a letter to parents also, like a disclaimer, like, hey, you're probably gonna
2: have to talk about some of this stuff with yeah. your children, like. But, but that that that's doesn't... but that's part of being you know like part of the minority, right? Or that's yeah. the thing,
1: right? I, I think that's the lens too, right? I was thinking about like whose burden is it to bear, yeah. right? Right, and it's a really uh, unfair.
2: Burden on well, it's, it's no, of color it's no and, different. Yeah. I imagine. I mean, it, it's this ongoing thing that people yeah. of color have to constantly yeah. educate people around them. And um, and as adults, you know, I, I see that. And I like, I look at my husband, and I look at that sort of constant, like every circle yeah. that we move into. If it's majority white, that that conversation and that burden is there. But with the kids, right? Like they're they're not equipped to educate their classmates, or I mean, they're, they're just, just sort of their forming. Right. Yeah. 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 So you had asked earlier about things that like. Friends could do to be helpful. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. one of those is just being conscious that like our kids or other kids of color, their experience may be different, mm-hmm. what they're, yeah. how they're moving through the world, like mm-hmm. how they're being treated, even from a very, very young age. Um, our youngest son is just turned eight Monday. And uh, hey. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Taylor. And he's a delight. He's a nut. He's very, like, outspoken, very well-read, like, super smart kid. He's also huge. Mm. And so he's definitely falling into that space of mm. um, I have caught myself, like, trying to minimize him at mm. times because mm. I worry that he will be uh, unfairly disciplined, that he will be, you know, because he's just – He's a lot of kids and uh, he's really fun. He's really funny. But I've had to like step back and look at myself a little differently Mm -hmm. and just say like I need to support him being him and he's got to follow the rules and everything. But those rules as sort of defined by like predominantly white culture where you sit in your seat and you're quiet and you Mm
0: -hmm. don't speak
2: until spoken to. I mean, a lot of those sort of very traditional values, um, you see how those get applied against a kid like him, Mm -hmm. and how he's at a disadvantage early on that he could be labeled as a, you know, as a troublesome kid if Mm -hmm. we were not very present. Not managed, whatever, whatever. Right, right.
0: I think that that's great advice for middle school teachers or late elementary school teachers. If you have students who are... especially like I think about even just being tall, right? Don't assume that because they're tall that they are more mature than their peers. <laughs> like and it's a something silly that you think like you have to remind yourself about or like if a child has um has energy and is like passionate and excited, like it doesn't mean that they are, you know, that they are a troublemaker, right? Mm-hmm. That they um if you're if a child is a child of color, it doesn't mean that they are, you know, and those associations are you have to think really actively about. Like dismantling that as teachers. Like, we have to think
2: about that. Mm -hmm. The only question people ever ask our older son is if he likes to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's tall and thin and wears this big afro, yeah. right? But he also has glasses and he's also soft-spoken mm-hmm. and wears mm-hmm. a Totoro, which is like a Japanese <laughs> anime a yeah. sweatshirt with a cat on it, right? <laughs> That's like, awesome. And yet over and over and oh, over again, yeah. they will say. And and Dave and I both played basketball, yeah. right? So some for some people who maybe sort of know us, right, like I, I get it. But generally speaking, he's a tall, thin black kid and... That's where people go, and it's like if you asked him about books or drawing yeah. or yeah. whatever he built, he'd like, be Like, do you into like it.
0: Japanese animation? Yeah, or, right? I mean, I or even more should... general.
2: Like, what kind of hobbies do you have? Yeah. What do you right. like to do? Right? Like, like, there's you ways see to frame the it way or he not. lights yeah. up when someone will ask him about his Totoro sweatshirt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like
1: what do you like doing? The kid's like, oh, I like to read. Great. What's your, you
2: know, yeah. what, what do you like? Yeah. What to book read? are you reading? Yeah.
0: So asking questions instead of making assumptions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah do
1: you want to talk a little bit about Jimmy? Do you want to talk a little bit about the kid thing at all?
0: I. We've too like much. no, it's not. It's <laughs> okay. not too much. I, we appreciate, by the
1: way, both of you being really absolutely. honest. About <laughs> yeah, it's, it's um, awesome.
3: I mean, like I've in general, like I used to tell my mom that I was, I was never having kids, and that had nothing to do with my partner because I was. I mean, like from like seven and eight, I was telling her like. <laughs> For, like, there was one time I told her, like, as soon as I get enough money, I'm getting a hysterectomy. Like, I <laughs> was real serious about not having this. I'm still not sold on being pregnant, but at this point I'm like, okay, I, I, I would like to have at least a child. Um, and, and maybe that comes around through adoption and not actually, like, giving birth myself. But, you know, um, but I have thought about, and as far as with my current partner, like, as far as we've really gone, is, like, it's a it's something that comes up every so often.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Hypotheticals. Yeah,
3: <laughs> and, you know, and, and, like, every so often we'll talk about, like, well, what names would you like if we had a boy or if we had a girl or whatever, whatever. And, like, sometimes I have to veto names because I'm like, eh... But, you know, and that comes along with, like, stereotypes, too, because I'm like, yeah. that sounds like a kid who's going to wear polos and Bermuda shorts, and I don't want that for my <laughs> child. Who's going to be, like, they're going to be name mixed. What was that? But, like, is that Chad? It was that... Trevor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, I mean, but Trevor, and then I thought about it. I was like, that's, I guess that's cute. I guess we'll go with it. That's, it's but cute. that's really real. Like, when we, yeah. were, when we yeah. were
2: choosing names, we tried to choose names that, like, if they wanted to... Again, married like being married to somebody who'd been an educator for a long time. There's a list of names you can't do, right? Because 'Cause yeah. they're like, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. like nope. all the bad kids. They all remind you. you they remind <laughs> yeah. you of like no, bad those kids. Bad kids. kids. Yeah. But also like, <laughs> hey, we'd like when our kids' name gets read on a piece of paper. Yeah. They're like mm-hmm. you don't know. Yeah. And they can cho- then they can choose like mm. whatever the kids want to. Yeah do it but giving that i mean that's the kind of shit that you have to think about yeah Yeah. that that other people don't necessarily think about which is like i want my kid to have the fairest shake like come into the table but i also want them to be able to choose how they want to you know how they want to roll
0: (laughs) yeah really funny story from school (laughs) one of my one of my students (laughs) one of my students who's amazing and wonderful he um my wife just had a baby and um his name is Elliot, and my one of my students who was just, his heart's always in the right place, but he, was, he just said, Elliot, that's a really nice name. I was like, yeah. He said, wait, is it a boy or a girl? I was like, it's a boy. And he said, okay. Elliot sounds like a, and he didn't finish the sentence, and I was like, it's okay. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, it sounds like a. A name that a white lady teacher would give their son, and she was, he was like, "Yeah, that's true." I didn't want to say it, but it's true, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, it is." Um, so, I mean, it's just like we kind of just laughed about it. But um, I, you know, I didn't really, I didn't give it that much thought until yeah. it was like, but I like I love the name Elliot, so I was like, "Yeah, my wife loves the name Elliot, yeah. so that's what we picked." But we kind of laughed at like, "What is the what's the baggage that comes with a name?" Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. You hear Elliot, and you're like, "Yeah, it sounds like a." Well, Boy, on, lady teacher name. And on the show
1: we always talk a lot about privilege, like just the privilege to yeah. not have to think about that. That so yeah. many people live with, or like so many people just kind of walk the world through that. And uh, it's it's different. Yeah. So yeah. in your conversation about Trevor, was there a, a final, <laughs> <drought>? <laughs> well,
3: um, final settling? You know, I, I said at least if that were the name, I was like, well, I get to pick the middle name then. But, you <laughs> Compromise. Know, they can choose to go by either. Um but mostly it was just, you know, like I know that the conversation around like you know, like you're white and you grew up in a very like all white family and there's not a lot of diversity in there. And um, and I just like and so in my interactions with him now, like just as me and him when things come up, whether that's in the news or in personal life or um, just like an experience I have that I share with him that he doesn't necessarily see like the not importance of cuz he's very good at like if you're upset about it I mm. like you're upset and you have every right to be upset about it but sometimes he just doesn't get it or he's like I don't think that that person meant and I'm like mm-hmm. we always talk about like mm. intent versus mm-hmm. like impact and um and so just like I try now to kind of wrap his mind around the things, especially if we were to have a girl, but just in general, because the kid is going to be mixed and you know, and who knows how like what that looks like if they right. come out looking more fair skinned or darker skinned. Yeah. But um, just kind of really being open about the things that I experience as a black yeah. woman moving through the world, so that way, when these things come up, with a child we have it's not like this like oh well you never said anything about that and i couldn't imagine that our kid is going through that now <laughs> and this time you know like yeah. and so just trying to make sure that like yes these things happen back in you know back in the day yes they happen now and you know Unless some miracle magic happens where all of a sudden everybody is just entirely woke and focused on (laughs) equity and, like, (laughs) understands, like, you know, these really deep things that are going to take a long time for us to understand. Like, kids, whether we have them tomorrow—that's not going to happen—but tomorrow, (laughs) you know, or in, like, five years, like, they're going to experience some sort of stereotype or discrimination Mm -hmm. and just making sure that— He's aware of these things now and 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 knows that this is going to be something we're going to talk about. It's it, it's going to be like, you know, and maybe we'll see
1: our kid as a, you know, this kid who's both black and white. But mm-hmm. to a lot of people, this kid will just be black. Right. So that's the mm-hmm. thing I keep thinking about. I think about with my students, We you know, a lot of like you said, a lot of the younger generation identifies as mixed um, when their families are mixed. But that's not how society is still seeing them. And so sometimes I'm listening to, I I want my students, you know, come to their own realizations about things and we have dialogue, but sometimes when we're talking and I just keep thinking about like that moment where, especially with boys, like I think about my black and brown boys, um, who are, you know, some of them who are mixed. And I just think about when's the moment that like society's not going to be as kind to them about it and like not accept the way that they see themselves. Yeah. And And, like studies show that that happens
0: very early, uh you know, It's so painful. It gives me a lot of hope, though, because our if our students are seeing, conceiving of race differently, like, they're bringing up the, they're bringing up those ideas, like, as they grow up, um, and those old ideas about, I don't know, the, um, the kind of antiquated way of thinking about race, those are things that are fading, they're not going away quickly. That's for sure. But like we have our students thinking, conceiving of race in a different way and being mm. more accepting and more loving that that's kind of um, it's really promising in a way. Mm-hmm. It's not doesn't solve the problem now, which is terrible. Um, But, you know, it's, yeah. it's hopeful. Yeah. It gives me hope that some of the kids that
3: I'm working with are so open. Yeah. And so like just, you know, they're so caring and they're just mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, like and. It's not about race with them and they're, you know, and they're aware of it. And that's the thing. It's like, it's not that they're not aware of it either. Like mm-hmm. they're aware of it and, but that's still not what it's about. And it's just yeah. about the person they are. like, it gives me hope to know that like, hopefully like when I have a kid that those are the type of people that are in education. Those are the type of mm-hmm. people that are like starting to get yeah. in these direct service positions and working at nonprofits and working in community programs and things like that. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, and kind of like. It's never gonna be that that sentiment that like oh well once this generation dies off we'll be okay but just like right, with yeah. each generation it's not that, that simple comes, <laughs> yeah with each generation yeah. that comes like yes people are dying off but more kids are being taught in that mindset of mm-hmm, ac- acceptance mm-hmm. and tolerance mm-hmm. and understanding and curiosity of like yeah. your culture and where you come from and your background and so I think that there's more people being. Um, kind of molded in that mindset because so many of us now are just like we're tired of the way things have been Mm -hmm. and so i it gives me hope that you know that that people that i meet that are good people and that they're trying and they're doing Mm -hmm. the work to have these conversations that those are the kids that are being raised Mm -hmm. to like take over these positions of leadership eventually and so Mm -hmm. it just it gives me hope that like Things are getting better, even if slowly, and you'll be able to find more places. Like, you know, like you said, like mm-hmm. after a few years, you went back to that same school and they
2: had done a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. And so just that that type of stuff keeps mm-hmm. happening. Well, and we have to keep looking for those opportunities. I think that's the thing is there's so there's good things happening with our with our kids in the next generation. But as people. So I don't know if I'm the oldest one in the room, but like. Uh, <laughs> What's up, Doug? Um, but uh, but finding finding deliberate spaces. So like one of the things that's happening for us is uh, we're getting ready to open a new office and um, new real estate office. And one of the motivations behind that mm-hmm. was to create a space. Uh, We we need more diversity in our industry. Like, we we serve a diverse population. We're serving, you know, Tacoma. um, And yet somehow we don't have as diverse. I think education faces some similar challenges, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of industries do. But, like, so we really started talking about, all right, well, we have the means. We have the opportunity. Like, how do we make this space? How are we going to make room for that next generation as Mm -hmm. they come up? Mm -hmm. Like, where are they going to want to work? And who's going to support them? And who's going to understand that maybe there's some different dynamics, like, in our industry, in uh, sales, really any kind of sales. You know, if you're a big black dude, like, say, my younger brother-in-law who's coming into business with us, Mm -hmm. and you're going out and you're meeting strangers, there's something called door knocking in real estate. Uh, I don't do it, but a lot of people do, and you actually, you know, it's just like doorbelling for Mm -hmm. politics, right? Like, those those uh, deep, deep biases that a lot of people have that are generations deep, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's going to impact him in a different Mm -hmm. way than if I show up at somebody's doorstep and say like, hey, I'd like to meet you and are Mm -hmm. you thinking about selling your house? Um, We started looking at like, how can we provide a a space and maybe a foundation or a platform for someone? I think each of us have those opportunities, especially as we get older Mm -hmm. and we have more means and we have more resources and we have more connections. Even if you don't have any resources, most Mm -hmm. of us have connections over time and so looking for places for either those young people that we're talking about um you know and even like college age and college mm-hmm. graduates i mean i know with mm-hmm. the work you guys mm-hmm. do at lincoln like just making those connections and understanding yeah. that even with all the progress we have it has mm-hmm. to be really deliberate that like yeah. people are still at a disadvantage yeah. and yeah and it's it's crazy, but like, you know, when it's your own children, you you see it because you're, you know, yeah. that that, it's your heart. that adage of, yeah, your heart being outside your body. Like all you want to do is protect your kids and you realize that there's a certain point where, A, you can't protect them from the ills of society necessarily, but we can reinforce them and build them up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can tell them they're loved and they're worthy and they can do mm-hmm. anything. And you sort of pad them and then put them out into the world. And so, you know, the ask is for other people to recognize that, like— there is more going on there than mm-hmm. maybe, like, mm-hmm. your white kids are having to deal with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and not to say, not to minimize, like we said, middle school sucks for everyone. And, <laughs> yeah. and there's different so circumstances. True. You know, I've yeah. had this conversation with my parents before that, like, you can come from a very poor background, for example, or you can yeah. be, um, people are prejudiced along the lines of religion yeah. Yeah. and other things besides just race. Mm-hmm. Yeah and we intersectionality right
1: yeah, yeah and well we had put out like some questions or i had asked some folks on facebook if they had any questions for us to talk about today which i think we've hit on some of the things that people had asked yeah, about
0: definitely.
2: but a
1: big part of that was like the intersection mm-hmm. right and so yeah. when you're experiencing something like how do you which layer is it right and so i think one of the questions had been um you know when you're experiencing this uh, discrimination in this moment is it because of race at the moment is it because of Who you're with in that partnership is because of these other layers. One, a big
2: one we haven't talked about here is like socioeconomic status, and that I think Mm -hmm. you know you can move through a lot of spaces if you have if you have money. It lets you uh, move through a lot of places a Mm -hmm. little bit easier. Yeah. Um. Hope. Hmm. Hi. Um. You haven't spoken, even though you have. (laughs) I
0: tried. I I tried. Ask personal
2: (laughs) experience. Well, and I was gonna say that one of the things that you and I have like touched on lately Uh, before is some of the. Sort of isolating aspects sometimes yeah. of being uh, in an interracial relationship, and I mean I don't dwell on it a lot. Sure, like, yeah, I, I even have a hard it. time saying mm-hmm. that we're in an interracial relationship because uh, we're just we've been married so long. Well, it's... and
1: I was also told that I should use the word interracial today, and I really haven't. So instead of saying interracial relationship, a certain significant other said we should just use the phrase interracial today. It, it doesn't
2: it, roll off the tongue. I know that's how I hate rolling. So <laughs> thanks, Nate. <laughs> But, you know, like you were you were one of the things you posed was like, how do friends help out or whatever? And I think one of the ones to me is like recognizing that uh, experiences, national experiences or things that are going on may impact some of your friends in different ways Mm. and being like more open and attentive, you know, stopping to ask somebody how Mm -hmm. they're doing, like Mm -hmm. recognizing that your coworker or your partner (laughs) might be going through something that does not impact you in the same way. Yeah, Mm
1: -hmm. and I think that's... I mean, I I think about some of our friends who, like, particularly think about some of the killings of unarmed black men in the last year. Um, And obviously that hits us at home because I think about my own husband in Mm -hmm. that case. And he's having his experience with that in that moment, right, that I can't necessarily identify with racially or, like, because he's a man. Um, But then also, like, that does affect in the home. But then, like, our friends who are, like, woke and trying to, like, help out and, right... But most of them are white, and so then, like, mm-hmm. that dynamic, that's weird, too. And, like, just giving space for, like, this is awkward, this is going to be uncomfortable sometimes. I don't necessarily know how to support my partner, mm-hmm. right? But, like, I want to support in the way that he needs, which might be different each, each time or, like, each time there's mm-hmm. an experience or an encounter. Um, and then, like, his family, you know, like, how does all that play out? And sometimes I feel like I'm in that weird space in between, like, I mean, Nate can handle himself, fine right but sometimes i find myself like wanting like you mentioned with your kids like wanting to protect them a little bit and i find myself wanting to be like well-meaning white friends like just go talk about that situation over there because like this cross conversation can't happen right now like let's not talk about that because that can't necessarily happen in our own home even right sometimes depending Mm -hmm. on what the situation is Well,
0: part of that's knowing your partner and like kind of the emotional support they need and like you know just um the things you it's almost the things that you protect them from. And it's not really like, it's not like a patronizing thing. Like I'm protecting you from like feeling these things, but like, um, just, I don't know the care and empathy. Like he's going through something really
2: hard right now. And we can't understand what's, what he's feeling. When we talk about stereotypes, I was just thinking about how hard this last, I mean, really two years, like Mm -hmm. has been Mm -hmm. on, uh, on black men in particular. Um, and I think about like the stereotypes we have for men in general, Mm -hmm. that they will be, strong and that they won't emote. and uh, you know, I think about seeing my husband broken down on various occasions and I don't think he'll mind me saying that, you know, but just how intense that is as a as a woman like mm-hmm. I don't I don't see that happen very often mm-hmm. and wanting to be a good partner and understanding like the the depth of that despair. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that that's something that like most of my friends, don't yeah. know that experience or don't understand mm-hmm. like how and that I can't even you know that yeah, I can't fully right, exactly. know that mm-hmm. I can do yeah. my best to be supportive mm-hmm. and I try to mm-hmm. you know educate myself more and I try to listen more mm-hmm. that's definitely one of the things like I'm in danger of yeah. because we yeah. grew up together and we have such long history mm. that doesn't mean I understand what it's like <laughs> yeah. to be in his yeah. shoes or to yeah. be in your shoes Jamaica I mean like to be in my you know with my own children like I really yeah. have mm-hmm. to observe and uh Try to understand Mm -hmm. how different the experiences are, and Mm -hmm. so that's a danger. I think the more familiar you are in some ways, yeah, to just assume that you kind of get what's Mm -hmm. what's going on, and so I've had to really work to like listen. Mm
1: -hmm. Do you do you find your partner is like supportive of you? I mean, and I know that he you said he was supportive of you, but when it comes to these kinds of things, Um,
3: yeah, I think sometimes, and I I think it's that it's like. it's, you know, he's, he wants to be supportive. He wants to be caring. and Like, if he sees I'm upset, it's it affects him. Yeah. And I think there are times when he, he really understands, like, he's like, I, like, he can empathize in the sense of, like, I know a time where I have felt this type of emotion. Um, I don't think he can necessarily get it from the point of view of, like, I know exactly that feeling because of, like, this outside factor yeah. that's mm-hmm. causing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are times where he's just like, I see you're upset. Like, there have been a few times where, like, and there's also, like, those stereotypes of, like, being a strong black woman where right. it's, like, he doesn't, like, I don't cry often. Mm-hmm. And so, some like, I remember, like, the first time, I the first few times I cried in front of him, he was just, like, I've never seen you this emotional, <laughs> yeah. so I don't know what yeah. to do about that. And he'll just yeah. kind of, it's very, like, I'm here and let me know how you need help. And sometimes in the moment when you're the person who needs the support and but you don't know what you need, yep. it's really hard to, yeah. you know, like, you're just, yeah. like, I just want you to be there but I don't know how to tell you how to be there either mm-hmm. and so that sometimes can be a yeah. pain because you're just like I I want you to be there and I want you to really understand it but I also just don't have the capacity emotionally right. to really explain to you yeah. like so deep that you might actually get it because then I'm also risking the chance of telling you and really opening up to you and then you still not getting it which yeah. is going to just add to it yeah. and mm-hmm. so sometimes it really is all you can do is mm. just say like I hear you and Mm -hmm. I'm here for you. And Mm -hmm. if there is something tangible that I can do, please let me know. Mm -hmm. And other than that, I'm just going to go about being, um, I'm going to go about being this person who cares for you. Maybe with just a little bit extra care today. (laughs) Like I'm going to be more Mm -hmm. intentional about, intentional about the ways that I care about you today. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because certain things fall by the wayside just yeah, because, like we're yeah. busy and we've worked yeah, all day, and, yeah. and you know, like but like just mm-hmm. taking that time to be intentional. You know, like you said, just like listening, and um, and if you know, and if it and if my response to it today is like I don't want to talk about it, like not pressing me to talk about it, or mm-hmm. uh, just different things like that, and really like you know not letting that like oh well, i know when you're feeling this way usually i can you know make you laugh and give you some food and you're going to be fine yeah. and like <laughs> really letting yourself like to ste- allowing yourself to step out of like it's not like a one you can't find a solution to yeah. fix somebody's yes. grief yep. or oppression yep. or the yep. trauma that they're experiencing mm-hmm. and really trying to come at it new each time and just say and like, i think
2: that's a really important word yeah. actually mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. hearing you talk, like trauma mm-hmm. for one mm-hmm. and and grief like to mm-hmm. like that bring the the depth of it for somebody else who's trying to like mm-hmm. you know backpack or be supportive i mean if you really look at yeah. those each of those mm. each of those shootings i mean was impacted people on that level yeah. and i don't think most people on the outside saw mm-hmm. it that way yeah. i know for me like watching trauma my husband and... process it and it was a very like deep and sort of visceral and if you're not if you're not close to someone and sort of seeing that and understanding it, it mm-hmm. it's, it's sad but distanced. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a different mm-hmm. thing. Um, I almost wonder, is there opportunity for conversations around that when it's not in the moment? Like, mm-hmm. when, again, when we're talking about, like, helping people and say you're mm-hmm. wanting to be a supportive friend or you're wanting to be um, – there's dialogues you have at times when we're not in the throes of it mm-hmm. um, as far as – there other people who listen to your show who will be thinking like, how yeah. can I be a better friend to the people in my life? Or yeah. how can I be more supportive? So that's
1: actually a nice segue to wrap up the episode today um, to the do your fudging
0: homework. <laughs> do your fudging homework. Interchangeable, white ladies. Bologna sandwich.
1: <laughs> so things that, that people should do, think about, move out forward. I think one of the things that came to mind kind of as you were ending there, Anne, um, just the notion of like you can it's the internet like you can google things and so I get really irritated when I meet people who have these like I feel just are super basic questions about things that you can just like look up and instead of like asking your one black friend or like Mm -hmm. them to explain this thing that's happening in society whatever like just do some reading like read about it Uh, maybe talk Mm -hmm. to some other like white friends that maybe kind of understand the situation like are learning about it too like and be part of that learning process Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one of the things I've been thinking a lot about and then also, um, kind of two things that are resources. Uh, I discovered multiracial media from a friend of mine who follows them on Instagram, and I follow on Instagram, and they just post these like beautiful photos of like interracial families, of all different races, and um, they're all. It's focused in America, so uh, it's just really beautiful work. And out of that, there um, is a bit by this couple who they, they're comedians, and she's African-American, and he's a, a white dude. And they basically kind of make fun of interracial relationships but really point out some, like, really important things. And there's a whole hashtag called White Bay, hashtag White Bay. And it's really funny. B-A-E. It's B-A-E. It's funny. For the uninitiated. It's serious. It's all the things. And I think that's one way
0: to kind of, like, just get familiar with the things out there. That so awesome. Uh, my homework is to go on Oye.com, and it's uh, O-Y-E-Z, but it's pronounced Oye. Dot com and nerd out about Loving versus Virginia and Obergefell versus Hodges and just all the court cases that use the 14th Amendment to make our lives better. So, yeah, there's a lot of great um, history in our court system of uh, applying the Constitution to make sure that people are treated as they should be. Right. That you have marriage rights um, and have uh, equal protection under the law. So that's my homework for tonight. Either of you. um I, <laughs> so I was kind of
3: thinking about it. I really think uh, one of the things that came up for me was... Uh, the movie Saves the Last Dance. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And it's, you know, and it's kind of silly. And, but I think it really, it it's really <laughs> like, I mean, you got like a young Carrie Washington doing her like, you know, and she, she's going through this, like she's seeing her very smart brother like kind of falling in with this this white girl who, you know, has the best intentions and she just wants to come and, and learn and be a part of the culture like immediately. And she calls her, you know, and she's like, I'm going to accept you as my friend, but I'm going to call you out. Yeah. On it. Like, I'm going to tell you, like, you guys think you can just stroll up in here and take what's good and like you know and so it's like I think it's a really good like if you if you don't want to get too deep into like the the court cases or too deep into your google work just yet like I think that's a good starting point like I think that's a good like it's entertaining but it has and it's kind of corny but it really it does touch on those like it touches on the like the couple together and how people perceive them it touches on like her family oh, yeah. side his family side you know and like her wanting to dance hip hop and you know and so i i think it's a really it's, appropriation yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so i think things, it has yeah. a lot of like a, it's a good starting point to make you look things up and then also um kind of just what you were saying hope as far as like um Instead of going up to your friend of color and like trying to get them to educate mm-hmm. you, you know, and and just going and going on Google, going and doing this work, go to the library, wherever it is that you find your resource of knowledge mm-hmm. and um, and having some framework. So instead of being like, hey, tell me all about Philando Castile, <laughs> you know, like just being yeah. like, so, hey, I've been reading about Philando Castile and I learned this and I saw this and, you know, I really got I got to this point of where they're talking about, you know, like how Black people who smoke marijuana are perceived and how a lot of... You know, like, having some framework and have done some work before you get to your friend and and just, Mm -hmm. like, tell me everything. Like, no, like, have some work and come to them with, like, an actual question and, like, something that you really are trying. Because I think... Part of, like, the offense of somebody coming and saying, like, hey, tell me all about your culture and, like, the things you mm-hmm. struggle with is that you're just assuming I have time. Yeah. <laughs> and you're assuming yeah. that, like, I, that, it's, that, it's wor- that it's not worth anything for you mm-hmm. to know that I can just tell you when I'm trying to mind yeah. my business and drink coffee, mm-hmm. you know, but actually putting some thought into it and making yeah. it a more meaningful conversation. Yeah.
2: Have some empathy. For other people's time, Again. I'm glad you mentioned Save the Last Dance. It was a yeah. good, it was a good that's step a down really from these like super academic answers. <laughs> that's a really, really good uh, homework suggestion. I was just gonna say, like if I you're raising like kids, <laughs> that movie, take, uh, <laughs> take the opportunity to find some materials and mm-hmm. things that they can enjoy with more mm-hmm. diverse characters than them. Take them out into the world so they can experience mm-hmm. people who are different from them. You know, if you're in a community that's predominantly white, like venture out. Go Mm -hmm. to we and we try to take our kids. I mean, we're not perfect by any means. So don't I don't want this to sound like I'm preaching anything. But you know, we try to also teach our kids diversity on other levels, right? Like to go and understand uh, our friends who are our gay friends who are married and have families and Mm -hmm. why like their family is the same as ours. And you know, it's Mm -hmm. across a whole variety of spectrums, Mm -hmm. not just like oh, you know, this is the Mm -hmm. way our family is configured. But love and tolerance, and I mean, it's just the. I think it's the best thing we all can do mm. to actually change what our future mm-hmm. looks like is mm-hmm. to help our children accept each other, accept themselves. And we have a huge opportunity to do that, especially with like that preteen age kids. Uh, definitely who really need acceptance and love and encouragement, and yet we see them as these little fully formed adults. Mm. And so, like, day to day, I bet if you're looking for it, there's an opportunity to interact. And I don't mean, like, be awkward and, <laughs> oh, my gosh, you know, <laughs> approach somebody. But, but I think if you're looking for those little interactions, you can find ways to change mm. the way you move through the world right. in, a, in a positive way.
1: Thank you both so yeah. much Thank you for so coming much. on the show.
2: And and we really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks.
0: Bye. 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 Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network.
1: Subscribe to the other podcasts, Nerd Farmer, Move to Tacoma, Citizen Tacoma,
0: and Flounders B-Team. Bye. Bye. Class dismissed. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. This is Channel
3: 253.